Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? We're in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 and 17 through 20. Here we go. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, would you open up our hearts to what you both want to speak and what you want to do in this service? We ask for the filling of the Spirit in this house. So, God, that everything that happens that you do, um, you will get all the glory for. And we want to be quick to give you that glory. So thank you for your presence here right now. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message is Workers in the Kingdom. We are in a series called Uniquely Luke, and that means... The, the stories, the, the parables, the whatever are only in Luke's gospel. And when you read this one, it's like, no, I thought that was in all of the gospels. Yes, the sending of the 12 is in all of the synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But this is not in any of the other gospels. This is not the 12. This is 72 others that are sent into the harvest, and it's only recorded in Luke, them going out and what happens when they come back. So I want to talk about workers in the kingdom, the privilege, the protection, they all start with P, the provision and the power of workers in the kingdom. So point one is the privilege the Bible says that he chose 72 others. This is not a choosing for salvation. Their, their names are already in, in heaven. 
That is certainly an honor. But this is beyond that. This is choosing to partner with him working in the kingdom. What a privilege. John the Baptist, who was probably the the best guy ever, said this about himself. I am unworthy to even unstrap his sandals. Yet John was given the privilege to be the very voice of God, God's voice crying out in the wilderness, partnering with God at the highest level, not because he was worthy, but because God chose him to do that. What an honor and what a privilege to partner with God. I had a very powerful dream in 1997. Here was the situation. We had just moved in November of 1996 to Montevideo, Minnesota to pastor a church there. So I'm a, I'm a young pastor at the time. I'm still young, but not quite as young as I was then. Um, and I want to, uh, you know, I'm trying to gain authority with the people. I'm trying to warm up to the people. I'm trying to help them warm up to me. So I'm preaching every Sunday because I, I want them to get to know me. I want to get to know them. And, and it's the spring of 1997. I've only been there for a few months. And I get a call from a woman in the congregation. And here's, in essence, what she says. We've got missionaries coming this week. I really love them. They're great speakers. Would you mind if they spoke this Sunday? First, what's wrong with me? And two, who do you think you are to tell me who's going to speak in my pulpit? But I can't say that. I'm a pastor. I've got to be nice to people. So I say to her, I'll pray about it. Bye. not overly nice, but anyway. Um, So here's the prayer. Lord, I am not going to let them speak unless you tell me that I have to. That's the prayer. That's that's the essence of the prayer. Go to bed that night, and I I have this dream. And in this dream, I have been asked by a friend to be the special speaker at their missions conference. And so we're at this missions meal, and the way it's going to work is after the meal, we're going to go into the sanctuary where I'm going to speak. Well, the meal is over, we're on our way in, and I see a poster with my picture that says special speaker, Tom Flaherty. And we're just about to go in, and he says, oh, by the way, we're not using you tonight. Huh. And that's the end of scene one. Scene two, I am in the foyer of the, at, this, at, this, this, at that time, this was Lake City Church. I'm in Lake City Church's foyer. I'm out there, and there must be a conference because I'm doing a workshop, and there's like 15 people in this workshop. And I read the scripture that I'm going to preach on, and the Holy Spirit falls on the room. I'm stunned. I can't even, I'm just... I haven't even started preaching and the Holy Spirit is so present. I'm like, I feel like, I feel like we need to respond right now. Is there somebody here that needs to give their life to Christ? And two of the people that are there start walking forward and they, they can't even get to the front and they're down under the power of God. And I, and I suddenly wake up and the Holy, the presence of God is all over me. And there are two things that stick out very strong to me. Number one, is my friend 
it wasn't not it wasn't just that that he wasn't using me it was the fact that he wasn't sorry there was no apology it was just like we're not using you and you just you know get over it and and the first thing the holy spirit was saying he he was that friend and what he's saying what he was saying is this is tom i don't have to use anybody and if i choose not to use you I don't have to explain myself to you. I don't have to apologize. I'm just choosing not to use you. Yes, sir. Second thing that stuck out was this, is that any meeting where the Holy Spirit's anointing is there is special. It doesn't matter whether it's a thousand or there's two. When the Holy Spirit is there, that is a special meeting. And the worst disaster that you could ever have is to be promoted as the special speaker and be speaking and the Holy Spirit not be there. That would be the worst possible. They'd have tons of people there and you're promoted as the special speaker, but the Holy Spirit's not anointing you. That is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And I'm just like, Yes, 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 yes. I literally wait until I feel like it's late enough that I won't wake him up. And I call that missionary and say, could you speak Sunday? (laughs) I could not get him into that pulpit soon enough. I do not want to mess with God. The privilege of being used by God. 2 Timothy 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable... He will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So this is as much as we can do. We can can say, I want to cleanse myself. I want to be ready. I want to be available. But that's the most we can do. The Holy Spirit is the one who decides who he uses and how he uses them. But we, our part is to be ready, to be available, and to recognize what a privilege it is. So the Bible says that Jesus chose 72 others. And I want to point out that these are others. These are not the 12. They, this is not the big boys. This is not the most special. This is just 72 other guys. And they are chosen by Jesus. And, and then my question is, is how holy were these guys? How holy were they? Here's my answer. Holy enough. Because they were used. God used them. God, there were great reports. Very successful. How holy were they in actuality? My experience with men, probably not that holy. So I've been around a lot of men. Men are not that great. <laughs> Women, that's another, you know, I'm not even touching that. Anyway, um, um, but, 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 but the point is this. They're just guys. They're just guys. They're not even the top 12. They're just, and the top 12 weren't that great. They're just guys, but, but that was good enough. And God, God used them. What an honor and what a privilege. So then the question becomes this. If you really don't have to be that holy to be used by God, then why are there so few workers? 
why, if there's this great harvest out there and God loves people so much, why aren't there more workers in the harvest? Well, the answer to that, it's from last week and it's the very verses right before our text. It's Luke 9, 59 through 62 and we get the answer as to why there are so few workers. Jesus says to a guy, follow me and he says, permit me first to go back to my family. And he says to another guy, follow me. And he says, permit me first to go bury my father that's dying. And Jesus says these words, those who set their hand to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom of God. What he's saying is this, that even though you love God, even though you're one of God's children, when you start your sentences with God with permit me first, permit me, I'll follow you, I'll do whatever you want, but permit me first to do what I want to do, he says, you are unusable in the kingdom of God. I can't use you to advance my kingdom. And because God only uses volunteers, because God loves us and he won't make you be a worker in the kingdom, he'll invite you, but he won't make you, that if you say, God, I want to work in your kingdom, but permit me first to do X, Y, and Z, here's what he's going to do. Okay, go ahead. But you're, he's not going to use you. Well, I'm open to be used. God could speak to me anytime. As long as you're a permit me first Christian, you're not, going to be, you're not fit to be used in the kingdom of God. You have to be cleansed of that. How do you get cleansed? Jesus prayed for us in John 17. Father, sanctify them or cleanse them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying that we'd be cleansed. And then 2 Timothy 2.21, if anyone cleanses himself of these things, so which is it? Does he cleanse us? Do we cleanse ourselves? I don't know, some combination. But we need to be cleansed of the permit me first spirit to be workers in the kingdom of God because it is a privilege to work with God. All right, here's point two. The protection of a worker in the kingdom. So Jesus says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Thank you, Jesus. That you can't picture anything more vulnerable. This isn't even a full-grown sheep. This is a baby lamb. I'm going to send you out, and there's going to be wolves all around you. And don't take any money with you. Don't take an extra outfit. Don't take sandals. Basically, be completely unprotected by anything in this world. Go out there. Bye. Sending you out. In our culture, because this isn't a farming culture... It, that, it just seems like that is like really mean. In their culture, here's what they know. The protection of a lamb is the shepherd. As long as a lamb is near the shepherd, a lamb is safe. Psalm 20, uh, 23, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He, the sheep is not comforted by his own speed or by his own power or by, no. The reason why I'm not afraid, even though there's enemies all around, is because the shepherd is near and he's strong and he's got a rod and if a wolf gets near, boom. And if I drift off a little, he's got a crook on a staff to get back here. 
I'm not going to fear evil no matter what I'm going through because I'm going to be close to the shepherd. And when he gives these rules about don't, don't protect yourself, what he's enforcing to them is you need to stay very, very close to me because you're going to be in dangerous places and you just need me really, really near. And I want you to feel that dependence. Pastor Tom, if I put God first, if I put the kingdom of God first, we would never have a vacation. We would just be going all the time and I'd be at church all the time. And you know, I don't, I just, we, 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 God doesn't want us to have fun. Mm. Do you want to know what, what Mark 6, 31 says when the 12 went out and they got back? Do you know the first thing Jesus said to them when they got back? He said, you guys need to come apart and rest for a while. You know what, Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what the first thing the shepherd says is? He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. When you think of working for Jesus as burning out for Jesus, what you're thinking about is an earthly employer that really doesn't care about you, just wants to get work out of you, and we're gonna, we will have no boundaries. You work, 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 and if you burn out, okay, we'll get somebody else. That's not who God is. God, God actually loves you and he wants to take care of you and he'll take care of his workers and he'll refresh his workers and he, he's, he's got seasons. It can be the kingdom of God when he says to you, take a vacation. You need to take your vacation. You think you're too important. Take your vacation. God wants to be our protection. So when we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect myself, I will protect myself. I will make sure that I'm protected. I will make sure that I'm safe. And if I'm safe and, and I'm all taking care of myself, then I will work for God. You'll never work for God. God wants to be your protection. So to, Pastor Tom, are you saying we're not supposed to do anything to prepare or make any preparations for our own well-being and for our own future? I'm absolutely not saying that. The Bible's got stuff all over the place about preparation. Look to the ant and, and, and the wise man sees trouble coming and he prepares for it. God is all about preparation. This is a specific instance where he specifically tells them, don't take anything with you. Don't make any preparations. I'm going to show myself strong as your protector. In our situation, the lesson we get from it is this. In your preparations, don't ever trust your protection for protection. The horse is prepared for battle, but victory comes from the Lord. Go ahead and make, make arrangements, but don't trust them. Trust me, unless the Lord guards the city, those who guard it, guard it in vain. That God says to us, no, I am your protection. So what happens to us as Christians? Well, we, we usually start out wanting to work for him, wanting to work with him, and then what happens? We get hurt. We get hurt. We were just trying to do good. We were just trying to love people. We were just trying to serve, and we got hurt. And then we say this to ourselves, that's never going to happen again. Why? Because I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to make sure that no one gets too close and that I don't ever get myself in that place again because I am going to protect myself. God, I'm still available, but I'm going to protect myself. And God says, okay, you're unusable right now. I, I want to be your protection. 
I want to be your hiding place. I want to be your refuge. I want to be your strong tower. I want to be the mount, like the mountains around. I want to take care of you. Well, what if I get hurt again? Oh, you will get hurt again. But that's okay, because I'm going to heal you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch you. I'm going to teach you how to forgive. I'm going to do, do a thousand good things. Nothing can ultimately hurt you. Nothing, no evil can ultimately hurt you. I will use anything that happens to you for your good. I will make you, but I need to be your protection. If you spend your energy protecting yourself, you're not going to be able to partner with me. That's why the workers are few. Let's move on to... The provision of the workers. I just find this funny. In Luke 10, 7 and 8. Don't move around from home, home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking. What they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. And then verse 8. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Isn't it weird that he would say that twice? Eat whatever, whatever they serve you, eat that. Don't go from home to home, eat whatever's set before you, and then he'd come back and say, and, and, and by the way, whatever they serve you, eat whatever they set before you. What's he saying? What's he saying in this? That if, you're, if you and I are really picky, we're never going to be able to be used as in the kingdom of God. If the most important thing for us is our own comfort, and, you know, we're staying in this house, um, could we find more comfortable housing? I don't really like this house. And I, it's just smell in here. I don't like the smell in here. Could we find another house? Jesus said, stop it. I can't use you. I'm, I'm using you for something more important than your housing today. And, and when you get, when they put food before you, eat what they put before you. This is more important than you getting exactly your diet and exactly how you like things. And, and when you are picky, you're going to end up just not being used by God because it's all about you and it's all about you having to, everything, as soon as everything's perfect, then God will use me. I will be available. But God first, I need to spend all of my energy making sure everything's perfect for me. Huh? Love you, can't use you. So uh, I just, I have to tell a story on myself here. So we are in India. This is 2018. There's a guy on High Point staff. His name is Manohar. He's part-time staff at High Point, and he's full-time missionary to India. He's from India, and he's got all these degrees, and he, and he, and he takes teams to train pastors. And, and so uh, Pastor Nick at High Point, he, he goes back and forth with him, and they asked me and City Church to partner. And so we, we became part of this in 2018, and we're going to these four places around India. It was amazing. Um, amazing ministry, amazing time. And we go to a pastor's house and we're going to have supper there. And hospitality is just a big deal there. And so it's, it's me, Nick, and Manohar sitting at this table and they bring out the first dish. And here's the family. There's probably six of them standing watching us. I'm like, aren't they going to sit down? And they're like, no, that's not how it goes. They will eat after we're done. But they, they, want, they want to serve us now. And so, okay, that's awkward. And, uh, and so, uh, but I'm thinking of this verse. I'm absolutely thinking of this verse. So I eat the first thing that's there. I can barely get it down. But I'm, I'm polite and I, and I eat it. And then they clear those dishes and they bring a second thing. And 
um, this thing is really good. And because it's good, I'm like, this is what I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat this. Huge mistake. There were four more courses coming, and I got filled up on that one. And now I have to eat four more. Well, the last one they bring out, and they are so pleased. They are ear-to-ear smiles. They can't believe they're providing this. They bring out a hamburger, or what looks like a hamburger. And they don't eat beef over there, and so they're very pleased, because they know that Americans love beef. And so they've got this hamburger. And so they put it before us, they're so excited about it, and so I take a bite. Guys, I have no idea what was in that thing. <laughs> but honestly, I knew I can't, I, I, I I, I'm thinking of this verse. I'm like, God, forgive me. I can't eat another bite of this. So here's what I did. So Manohar started talking. Everybody was watching Manohar. I moved my plate near Nick's plate. I just went boop with my fork. (laughs) Please forgive me, Jesus. It says this, accept hospitality without hesitation. What does that mean? It means this. God says, the way I'm going to provide for you is going to put a demand on other people. I'm going to use, uh, use other people to provide your needs. How many hate that? We want to be independent. We don't want to put anyone out. Jesus said, I've arranged it so that you will have to put other people out. I have made you interdependent. If you want my provision, here's how I'm going to do it. I am going to have other people help you. I was an investment broker before I was a pastor. I'd graduated in business, my undergrad, and I had a plan. I told God what the plan was. The plan was this. I would become a multimillionaire, and then I would be a self-supported missionary. Isn't Isn't that wonderful? I'll be out in the mission field, and I will need no one. I will be my own little thing. And as time went past, it was clear we were not in a become a millionaire stage. We were in the manna stage where you barely have enough to pay the bills and you're going month to month. And then when I got called into ministry, I'm like, God, what about the, what about the multimillionaire that said, and it just became very clear, Tom, that would be a disaster. You will already struggle with independence. You're already so independent. The last thing we need is the Lone Ranger out on that mission field, just creating trouble wherever he goes because he needs no one. He wanted me to be dependent on the people of God, that the the people I serve would be part of how he supplies, and this is just how he set it up. So what's going on in America right now? What's going on with American Christians right now? Oftentimes it's this. God, I want to work for you and I'm willing to work for you. But first, I need to make sure I provide for me and my family. And not just for me and my family, but for me and my family tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So as soon as we get college paid for and as soon as we get enough in retirement and as soon as all the, I will, there's a day coming, I'm sure God, where I will be available to work for you. But we, we have, I'm supposed to be the provider. So we're going to, we're, we're going to provide. And the Lord is, is like, um, yeah, it's not going to work that way. You'll never be used. 
Oh, you're using your energy. Permit me first to be a millionaire. Permit me first to get ahead. Permit me first to get the house I want, the car I want, the education I want, the, and, and the job I want, and the, and the career I want. And as soon as everything is in place, then I will be available to work for you. And God says, yeah, I don't, I don't want to use that plan. So right now, I'm going to have you be very generous even though you could keep all your money and I'm gonna have you give money away and I'm gonna have you, and when riches increase, Psalm 62:10, don't set your heart on it. You are not your money. You are not your income. I want you to practice now me being your provider. I, I, I want you to practice now thinking that when you have me, you have everything you need. I will take care of you. I'll show you this in a thousand different ways. I will have you give sacrificially, and then I've I've got money everywhere. I've got ways to bless you everywhere. I want you to trust me as your provision. Well, then what are we going to work for if that's how it works? Here's why we're going to work. God uses our jobs for provision. Amen. But the main reason you go to work is not to make money. You're supposed to be there as a worker in the kingdom. You're supposed to be available to love the people that are there, to be a blessing to those people, to pray for those people, to be the front lines of God's light and beauty and power in Jesus' name. God wants that to become our lifestyle, guys. Cleanse us, God, of the permit me first. And then finally, the power of a worker in the kingdom. So first is the inner power. The inner power is, of a Christian is this joy. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So they come back and they're filled with joy and Jesus, Jesus is glad they're happy, but he checks their joy. And here's what he says to them. He says, don't rejoice in your successful ministry. Rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. Why is it so important not to rejoice in successful? It's very exhilarating to see somebody get saved or somebody get healed or somebody get delivered, somebody get free. It's very exhilarating. Why is it dangerous for that to be your joy? Because Jesus said, you, here's, here's the limits of your power. You cannot affect free will. In some places you're going to go and they're going to reject you. And they're going to be mad at you and they're going to hate you. And in those cases, you need to you're going to be very tempted to be discouraged. And he said, you need to shake the dust off your feet. That's a metaphor for shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Uh, 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 shake it off. Shake, I, yeah. Um, our joy, if our joy is in our ministry, then we're going to be just like this. When we think we're doing good and we're successful, we're like, wow, God must be happy now. And when it's going bad and we're going to feel like God must be not pleased, what's wrong with us? Why, why isn't it working? Jesus said people are going to reject you. People, there are people that legitimately don't want Jesus. They don't want Jesus. Some of them might want Jesus in the future, but they don't want him now. And unfortunately, we're called to sow seed even in people that might not be, they're not ready. They may not come in like Later, but they're not coming in now and they're mad at you now and if you go by how people respond to you you're going to be a basket case Jesus said get your joy out of ministry 
You are a success before God when you are a worker in the kingdom, whether it's successful or seemingly unsuccessful. Just joining him and being faithful to love people, faithful to speak to people, pray for people, give to people, forgive people, that is successful. You are successful. You are a, a screaming success with, in heaven's eyes. Earth's eyes, it, it goes back and forth. So, so don't rejoice that you've had success. Rejoice that you are God's and that your name is written in heaven. So that's one power. It's the inner power of the joy of the Lord, the joy of doing anything with him. The second power is the outward power to heal the sick. So here's what Jesus says to these 72. Oh, and when you get there, heal the sick. Come again? Heal the sick. They're like, we don't heal the sick. You heal the sick. We watch you heal the sick. We're, we're not the healers. Jesus says, no, this is a game changer. How, how do regular people heal the sick? It's very similar to when God had Moses choose 70 people. And for God, this is a simple thing. He says to Moses, who is a type of Christ? This is Numbers 11, 17. He says, I'm going to take of the anointing that I put on you, and I'm going to put it on each one of the 70. And so the things you do, I'm going to multiply them by the anointing. And so the, the, the anointing comes on all seven. They all start prophesying. They're all, they're all of a sudden, all of them are now equipped. So Jesus, when Jesus says to the 72, you're going to heal the sick, this is not a hard thing. I'm going to take of my anointing, because he is the anointed one. That's what Christ means. He's the anointed one. And I'm going to give, I'm going to put anointing on every one of you. And you're going to go out in my name with my anointing, and you're going to heal the sick. So we had a guy here in 2014 named Chris Gore. He has got a healing ministry and he trains people in healing and very powerful time. Lots of people got healed here, but he taught us about how healing works. And here's what he said. He said, prayer doesn't heal people. Jesus heals people. And he said, if you think prayer heals people, what you're going to do is you're going to pray past the miracle. You're going to pray, and because you think prayer does it, you're going to pray longer and harder and louder because your prayer is supposed to heal this person. He said, you know, Jesus is the healer. You don't have to pray long prayers. You can pray very short prayers because your prayer is not healing them anyway. It's Jesus. And Jesus wants to heal people. And so we learned how to pray short prayers for healing. So how does it work? A few weeks ago, we were in Tuesday night prayer. Ted, Ted Gary comes up to me and says, I, I feel like I have a word. He comes up here and, and he gives this word about God healing our feet. He sees God healing ankles and feet and he thinks it's about us running with God. So it's a spiritual healing. But also he said there's people that are going to get physically healed in their feet. And, you know, that was the word. It was cool. Or it was great. And we didn't, I didn't think much of it. Well, last Tuesday night, this teenage boy come. He's not really a boy. He's a young man. He's, he's an older teen. And I'd never seen him before. But he said, uh, he said hey, I, I feel like somebody should know this. She's, he said, I came in here. This is weeks ago now, but my, my foot was bad. I came, in here, I came in here with a limp. And God healed my foot that day. And I have been healed ever since. And he said, I just feel like somebody should know that. And I'm like... Praise God. 